The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. So keep your love. I don't get enough of it. Jesus just rose again. Listen to the kids. Welcome to Watching the Throne, a lyrical analysis of Kanye West. My name's Chris Lambert, and today we're doing a story with Tyler. Tyler, why don't you uh, introduce yourself to everybody? What's up, everybody? What's up, man? I'm excited to be on this. I, uh, I am Tyler Barstow. I uh, am one of the co-founders of Vinyl Me, Please, and I am a massive Kanye stan. <laughs> Which is always a, a good thing to discover about somebody, because you hear about, like I had heard about Vinyl Me, Please, Obviously, it was everywhere <laughs> at one yeah. point in time. And then to find out, like, oh, oh, Kanye fan? Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I honestly, I think I spent, I'm about to turn 30 in January, and I think I've spent probably most of my 20s not going more than a couple days or a week tweeting something about Kanye. Like, <laughs> it's probably pathetic if I went back through all of it, just like... But man, yeah, it's uh, it's been it's my uh, my love for Kanye has been around for a while at this point. Um, it goes deep. It's a it's a funny point to reach because I remember being a kid and seeing my parents get really excited about celebrities or really sad about celebrity deaths. And mm-hmm. I remember thinking like, how how silly is that that you can like care so much about somebody that you had never met or a celebrity like that? Granted, I was like in a grouchy 11 year old at the time yeah yeah, but now yeah that same thing you like hit your 20s and you're just like wow this person's work has been so meaningful for not just a year of my life not just a couple years but like my life (laughs) yeah totally yeah i mean it's like you and kanye's been around long enough that like i we sort of grew up with him i mean i think his first record dropped when i was 15 I think I don't know, but I don't I can't. Rem- but like it was, I just yeah. I I remember, like I I was in my friends. Um, like I well, it's funny. I grew up in like a really conservative family, um, and I remember I had a buddy who was like later in high school. He might have been like a senior, and I was like in eighth grade or a freshman when that when uh, college dropout came out and. Um, I remember I was riding in his car somewhere after church, like we were going to meet some people for lunch or something. And like Jesus walks came on the radio and I was like, dude, I have never heard anything like this before. (laughs) And part of that is because it was just, I wasn't listening to great music at the time. I mean, I'm not saying it, but, but when I heard it, I was like, holy shit, like, what is that song? And he's like, yo, this is Kanye West. He's a, he's going to be huge. And, uh, he, my buddy was right. 
<laughs> your your friend <laughs> knew what was what was going yeah. down. <laughs> yeah, totally. Because I mean, totally. we hear so many singles by various artists where you're just like, "Oh, that was a really good single," but you don't necessarily mm-hmm. think like, "Oh, that person's going to be the next big thing." Yeah, like I, I honestly like I know that there's like a decent number of connections between them at this point, but that hasn't happened many times. I remember when I heard uh, "Royals" by Lord. And I was like, I felt similarly. I was like, Lord is going to be huge. Like, it just felt like there was some kind of energy in her that I, it, it kind of was a similar experience. But that doesn't happen very much. And that makes sense. There's, I mean, generational artists, there's a reason that it's like, there's a decent, there's, everybody has a decent sort of catalog in their mind of who they are because they don't come around very much. Like, you know, people that are going to define a section of music or music in general, like there just aren't that many Michael Jackson's or Prince's running around or Madonna's, you know what I mean? Like, and that's, and that's great. It's just funny. Like it, it was that same feeling that I, I would imagine the same feeling that somebody probably felt when they heard Michael Jackson for the first time. Like, can you imagine like the first time, like hearing thriller <laughs> and or just being like, what is that? You know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah it just it leaves you really i don't know thrilled in a way what else is is this person going to produce which right that's probably what's so startling about kanye's discography is that it it wasn't just the one or two albums and like had that peak but we're coming up on 13 years of just not a false step when it comes to an album yeah no i know which is i mean that's i don't think that's ever happened like i can't think of another artist like ever who didn't put out a, who who never put out like a mediocre or bad album and i think people make arguments that some of kanye's albums like you know when 808s came out people are like oh this is mm-hmm. kanye's down album when yeezus right. came out they're like this is kanye's down album right uh, but then in hindsight as the years go on those albums just become more and more appreciated yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, I think, like, you can... I remember that. I mean, dude, it took me a long time to get into 808s. Actually, I didn't get into it until a couple years later. This girl that I was dating at the time, like, we had been... Like, we, we had been, like, kind of, like, almost dating for a while and been, like, just talking a bunch and we're great friends and stuff. And and I remember she told me, she was like, yeah, well, when it, there was like, a, was like six months or something that we weren't talking and whatever. And, um, she was like, yeah, I, that like all winter I listened to 808s and heartbreak and uh-huh. like, and she was, and I was like, man, I never got into that record. And so I listened to it again and then I got really into it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, I, but you can look back and like 808s and heartbreak is an album that like, um, oh, by the way, am I allowed to cuss on the show? Yeah, yeah, please. <laughs> okay, cool. As okay, much as cool. you want. Yeah, my show, I, when people ask, I'm like, the only requirement is that you have to at some point. <laughs> I think there's only like one person maybe who hasn't ever. But but it's just, anyway, I just wanted to check. Um, but yeah, no, um, I mean, you look back in like 808s and Heartbreak, like there's a whole segment of music that was kind of spawned because of that record. Um, and you've got, and I know that, you know, there's a lot of like, back and forth around the fact that Kanye kind of found that sound with Kid Cudi and and then kind of shaped it into his own thing and whatever and he's always really been good at that but it was like that was that was an album that I think a lot of times and I I, I try to be like Kanye sort of I think help like 
experiences like that with his music, I think have helped me a lot over the years of just like balancing my expectation or like balancing my expectations of what I think of a record when I first hear it, because, um, I've missed out on a lot of records, like in the short term, because I was like, Oh, this isn't good. I don't like this. And then I go back to it years later and it's like, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> like what was wrong with me? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so yeah, I've been a fool. It's kind of a, yeah. it's kind of flattering in a way. It was sad also in a way to be the person that caused somebody else to listen to 808s and heartbreak. Yes. Like totally, man. Or, or Jesus. I mean, Jesus is a great example. I mean, it's like Jesus is just one of those albums that like, like that's the best stadium rock record of the last decade easily. I mean, it's like the, and it's crazy. Like I saw that tour uh, in Chicago, actually, I was still living there at the time. And, um, I was like, man, I, I was at that show and I was like, this is, I've never seen anything like this before. Like, I don't, I've been to a lot of concerts and I've never been to something that was like on every possible level, like overwhelming, <laughs> you, you like, like just everything about it. He had that mountain and there was like this guy in like a, like this sort of red, demon creature costume who was like climbing all over the mountain and like um there you know he had all these like it was just crazy i did you see that did you see that that tour my forever like greatest disappointment in life will be that we had tickets both travis and i uh to the minnesota show or minneapolis mm -hmm. show and the truck carrying all the equipment crashed and, I remember uh, that, and it like cr like one of the screens got cracked or some or broken or something, right? And yep. so he, yep. And they said they were going to reschedule it, and then they just eventually canceled it, so we never got to see it. Man, that sucks, dude. Yeah, yeah. that's what happened with the Life of Pablo tour. He like had that meltdown, like a week and a half before I was supposed to see him in Denver. No. Um, yeah, man, it was like <clears throat> it was a lot. It, I was like. I've been seeing all the videos, you know, like, I mean, the videos, like when you played the forum in LA and it just was like, just crazy. And I, I had gone to this, I had gone to the theater to see like the release thing at Madison square garden. Mm -hmm. I went to a movie theater to watch it. And it was like, this is going to be the best concert of my life. And I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me, dude. <laughs> just get, just get some sleep, like drink some, drink some water and like, cut this shit out because i've been waiting to see this show for like a year now or <laughs> like seven months uh so that was the beginning of yeah that was that was like i needed that concert and it didn't happen <laughs> which it's like it's not about me but it, i was just like fuck man like i just need this right now so anyway yeah like this is this was gonna be the not just the highlight of the year this was gonna be something that just uh, I my life needed as a cornerstone. Yes, totally, totally, man. Which might be <laughs> pathetic, but it's just true. Um, so yeah, uh, man. Uh, hopefully, we say. get this. Uh, we get the rumors of the tour starting back up are true, and you get to go. Yeah, man. And I'm I cannot explain how happy I am to hear that Kid Cudi is helping produce this new record. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, did you see the the Mike Dean tweet yesterday? Oh, yeah, where he, he said it feels like th it, this reminds me of the last couple of days of mixing Watch the Throne or something. Yeah. 
Yep. It's going to be big, man. Big time. Oh my goodness. I like Mike I just, Dean is Mike I, Mike Dean is a legend. I mean, it, he is. He's incredible. All the work that he's done on those albums, it's mm-hmm. they wouldn't be the same without him. Yeah, man. I mean, like I, I remember he wrote Ultralight Beam or at least he came up with like the first like the chord progression for it. And like I can I think they interviewed him or they interviewed Chance or somebody about that song and and they were whoever it was was like yeah mike dean that song happened like mike dean was just kind of like fucking around in the um (laughs) in the studio and just came up with this chord progression um just during some downtime and kanye was like yo that's dope (laughs) and then out out of that came ultralight beam which is an incredible i mean it's one of my favorite kanye songs it's amazing so anyway it's just i love that i love mike dean i don't know that much about him i just like i've never met him but I love him. For someone I've never met, I I, I love him. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh I was so angry at him in the four days between uh the Madison Square Garden show and the Life of Pablo actually dropping, because yeah. he kept doing uh Periscope live videos yeah. of them working on the album, and he would just kind of like troll people, thinking that it was about to come out, that we were gonna get mm-hmm. a, a sample of something. And then just wouldn't give us any information. And he was getting such a kick out of it. Yep. No, totally. And I remember watching that Madison Square Garden show and being like, holy shit, Future's on this song. Like, this is the best Future's. Like, I love Future, but I was like, this is like one of the best hooks that Future's ever done. And then found out that it's not Future, it's Designer. <laughs> He's Future's just, which is like an incredible marketing ploy on Kanye's part to get Designer out into the public consciousness and just be like he started with that like that metro Boomin hook at the beginning that is future and then it goes in this thing and it's this guy that sounds a lot like future i'm like i could see that this could be future and then it was like definitely not definitely not future <laughs> um so yeah i um but it was weird i mean w- w- did you see the madison square garden thing like did you go did you watch it live yeah yeah in the theater and i remember when ultralight beam played for the first time i was just gripping the armrest like this is a thing that exists yeah same i was like i can't believe how good this song is like i i was tearing up i was like this is i I don't know and kind of you know for me like Kanye has a, a very like particular ability to like make stuff that there's a lot of like very emotional everybody has very emotional connections with artists that they love right and I, I think like for me, he's one of the few artists that has gotten me like to like cry, not because I'm sad, but just because it's like overwhelmingly gorgeous. Like mm. these moments of music that just like take over your your life. And Ultralight Beam was, was one of those. It was just like, I, I can't even describe I was saying there, I was like, I can't even describe how I feel right now. (laughs) I don't even know what the right word is. (laughs) Um, But yeah. Because it's already amazing music just when you're listening with headphones on. But to be in a theater surrounded by other Kanye fans and to have the music playing at that volume and kind of just enveloping you in a dark room (laughs) with the visuals that were there, that was something else. Yeah. No, I know, man. And it's, I thought like that, like those videos of like the video, like the live video of like him. I mean, it was just amazing. It was like him and like Kid Cudi was there. And like, I think Mike Dean was like all these people like right around him at the table. 
there on the floor is like one of the there's that picture of Kanye with his eyes closed and his hands up mm. that I think and it, and it's like for me it's like such an iconic like music picture uh just like this moment of like just all these incredible artists like huddled around basically playing past the ox chord in Madison Square Garden right like I mean <laughs> like it was it was amazing it was like one of the best it felt like one of the best moments in music history in modern music history just because it was like it had been true for a long time but that was a moment for me and even that picture of just like like um this concept of like rap is sort of the new rock right like years ago like kanye ranting about like how like rappers are the new rock stars and it's been like that for a minute hedy slamane <laughs> uh <laughs> like that it, it was just that he was right then but i think that moment was like and it's, it, it's like undeniably true in the public consciousness now like and that was just i don't know so that it just felt so insane um and so right you know everybody was like making fun of the like or some of my friends are like making fun of the like fashion line stuff that was going on during that thing and it's like man imagine like working as hard as kanye's work for as long as he has and going to one of the biggest like arena like one of the most famous arenas on the planet and playing your new album and showing off your clothing line at the same time like that's like that is, that is a summit of one sort or another that's like mm -hmm. for cre any creative that's like peak that's like a, that is one of the peaks i think and i i was like really proud of him and I'm, I'm proud of anybody that gets to that stage and is able to do that like and i and i think like for him in particular a guy that's on purpose sometimes and sometimes not like has been so controversial um it just felt so good that like even no matter what anybody thought about him whatever opinions they had it didn't matter like they like and that's the funny thing too everybody all these people you know there's a lot of criticism of him and he you know he deserves some of it for sure but like there's all these criticism of him but his shows are still always packed out <laughs> it's like it's not like anybody's like everybody still loves his music so it's just an amazing i was just really proud of him you know not that that matters to him but i was just really proud of him that he was able to pull that off like that was just a really incredible moment i think um it says something too so many people find his music inspirational and then there's people mm -hmm. that find him like kanye the man himself inspirational and the fact that he did have this fashion dream how many of us after doing the first fashion show and getting the reviews he got would have just been like okay never mind yeah this isn't my passion anymore <laughs> yeah just, totally because that was a, yeah. a lot of shit he took <laughs> for yeah, that man. first fashion line which i didn't think i mean my opinion on this is obviously like skewed but i didn't think that first show was that dramatically bad as people were describing right. it and totally. uh the fact that he went from that to being able to do uh yeezy season three on the scale that it was was just yeah that's that's a moment that you have to be proud of somebody for just as a human being going through yeah everything. no i mean I, totally no and i think like you know I, i've never owned any of his clothing i i honestly like i i think i'm just i'm not at a point in my life yet where like i'm i feel like i'm cool enough to wear that and i understand like on some point you got to kind of just 
will yourself to be. <laughs> but the thing that I the thing that I really loved about it is like I love the con I think the concept of like you know basically clothes and it's ironic because all this stuff is so expensive but the concept of like affordable almost like uniform ish clothing where like there isn't a label on it and it's not like you just it's just stuff to wear that looks good and like the concept that in the future people will primarily wear sort of these like uniform type things is I think actually like really fascinating i think his the philosophy behind it of like how that's like a, sort of an equalizer like cl like design and clothing as sort of a great equalizer in a good way i think is a, is a pretty fascinating concept and i've just never nobody else has been saying that kind of stuff and i think like i think his clothing <clears throat> i think 20 years from now like people will look back and be like man like um that clothing, like the sort of the glass ceiling that that broke has now influenced a lot of the clothing that we do like, or we do wear or whatever. Right. Like, I mean, I, it, it may take a while, but I think that that's a concept that will set in for sure. And I think that like, um, it's a really admirable one. I mean, I, I think it, and I, and I think that like, regardless of whether he's the one designing the clothes that people are wearing in 20 years or not, he probably will be. But if not, <laughs> like, I think people at least look back and be like, man, that actually was a lot better idea than we thought it was <laughs> at the time, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I I think so. And we already are seeing some of that impact. Like, you go into any H&M, and you can definitely see, like, certain outfits where you're like, okay, that seems very kanye -y. Yep, totally. Yeah, and I think, like, in H&M is, and I think I remember Kanye a, long, a while ago, wanted to be, I don't know if he still does, but I know he really wanted to be the creative director for Gap um, because, like, he wanted Gap to be, like, kind of, I think, sort of what H&M is, which is, I mean, H&M, that's how they got big. It was, like, they made sort of fashion, fashion-ish clothing that was super cheap. Like, you could go in there and get a suit for, like, a 100 bucks. You could get a button, like, a, a kind of a button-down that looked kind of, like, sort of at least conscious of where fashion was at the moment for like 25 bucks or whatever. And I think like that there'll be another one. H and M will probably be another one that looking back, it'll be like, man, like normalizing slightly better taste. And, and I, I don't wear H and M. I, I, you know, whatever, I don't really shop there, but I think like, I really love sort of their, I like that, that ethos. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of reasons to not like H&M that I don't know about or <laughs> haven't thought about, but I, I like that part of it for sure. Um, and I think that's a really cool kind of vein um, that I'm excited that he's continued to sort of that he's continued to push forward or push like kind of push through. So agreed, agreed. Well, jumping back a little bit, um, you mentioned hearing Jesus Walks is kind of the first Kanye song you had ever encountered. When did you first hear the album, uh, College Dropout, in its entirety? Uh, years later, actually. Um, I was like, I think when I heard that, I, when I heard that, <clears throat> like I was like for the most part only really allowed to listen to Christian music, like go to Christian. I remember I, you would go to my, I would go to Christian bookstores and buy CDs. Like that was the main place that I was allowed to go. And, and it, when I heard that song, I, I had, you know, I was also allowed to listen to like Lincoln park and like whatever, mm -hmm. like, um, but like, I just never, I had like the only rap stuff that I had was like 
burn CDs from my high school friends of like um, Buster Rhymes and Eminem and 50 Cent and whatever. And so that's like for me, for better or for worse, like those artists are like were what I understood of rap for a long time. And I think, man, I think the first CD of his that I, because I, I I would just listen as I got older, like I would just hear his stuff, right? Like because it was everywhere. Yeah. Um, but I remember that I had never really listened to Late Registration. I kind of just missed out on that. And so I think the first full album of his that I owned was Graduation. Um, years later, when I was in college, I think I was a freshman in college when that came out, and I went and bought it at like a Best Buy or something. Um, <laughs> and I remember there was like, I remember I had some of my college friends, there's this girl that I had like dated in high school who just went to the neighboring school. And so we were just friends and it was like a group of us. I remember I was driving with her and some of my other college buddies somewhere and, and they were, she was just like, can you just turn that fucking CD off? That is the only thing that you ever play <laughs> in your car. Like she's like, I'm so fucking tired of that. Like just get out of here with that. <laughs> so I had, I was listening to it that amount. Like I was listening to it way more, but like I was listening it to an amount that like everybody riding around in Tyler's Volvo freshman year of college, that's all they heard. <laughs> and they got sick of it and I just couldn't stop listening to it. So that was the first like full album that I heard from him. And then I went back and I got late registration and then I went back and got college dropout. So College Dropout, I think, was probably the third album of his um, that I heard, ironically. Um, and I remember at the time, like, I <clears throat> I don't know, like, I just didn't totally... I think College Dropout for a long time was, like, probably my least favorite of his records, um, which is weird for me to say now. Um, but, like... I, yeah, I, I mean, because I love it now, but I, I like looking back, I remember like that was the one that I went to the least. So, yeah, same. Even when we started this podcast uh, back in July of 2015, which now starts to sound really old, but it's yeah. um, when we started the podcast, I think in our first episodes, we were joking that we didn't like listening to the college dropout that much. And yeah. while we still like relative to other Kanye albums, like we still love college dropout in terms of other music, but it was just one of the ones like, you know, why listen to college dropout when you have my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Um, yep. and it took a doing the full season of the college dropout to really start to be like, man, I had some stupid opinions <laughs> about yeah. this album. And still, I, I say that, but still it's, the one that I still think is the most basic version of Kanye. And I, right. I prefer the growing artistic temperament that he had rather than that intro. But I still look back on that album very uh, nostalgically. Yeah. No, and it's funny when you have a podcast, the thing that sucks about having a podcast is that inevitably you have all sorts of bad takes along the way and they're just out they're just out there in the universe forever right. it's like, like and it's, that's happened a couple of times to me and i'm like yeah i guess i did say that i don't even remember saying that whatever whatever it was but yeah i believe you that's a really <laughs> shitty music to take sorry <laughs> <laughs> i don't stand by that anymore but yeah there's no. audio of it so all i can think of is uh 
Paul D. Podesta for the Browns saying he didn't think Carson Wentz would be a top 20 quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Being a Browns fan. It feels bad. It feels bad, man. <laughs> it really does. So what, <laughs> yeah. uh, when you were first listening to Graduation, what was it that stuck out to you about that album? Because already you had had the um, experience with Jesus Walks where you're like, this doesn't sound like any of the music I've listened to, which at that time really didn't at this point in college you've probably been exploring a bit more music on your own and right uh encountering this album what what were some of the songs that really jumped out to you what was it about the album um i think it was man like yeah at that point i'd been digesting like like just a shitload of music and i i was at that time like the main stuff i was listening to was like brand new or thursday or like taking back sunday or whatever and i i can remember like the concept of like basically like a kind of a highbrow like pop rap record like didn't even exist in my in my mind and so i um i remember when i when they like um like i remember that was like everywhere and then the um and then uh stronger and like I had listened a little bit to Daft Punk and I was like, Oh shit, he's, he's working with Daft Punk now. How did that happen? <laughs> and like, um, and that, it just, it was like this sort of rap, like stadium, like maximalism. And it's just that I'd never heard before. And it was interesting because I mean, like you can look back and there's at least an argument to be made that Daft Punk was sort of the group that pushed electronic music into like a stadium setting. Um, and like, for me, <clears throat> Graduation was an album, um, and I'm not saying that this is canon by any stretch of the imagination, but like for me, it felt like this is the album that is pushing rap into a stadium setting. Like I had never thought of like going to kind of a rock concert setting and listen, like at a festival or whatever, and see, like listening to rap that like made sense in that setting. And that was the first time that it, it clicked. It was like, oh yeah. Like this is a, this is a legitimate pop record, right? Like this is like a, but it's not pop. And that, so anyway, so it just really like, it kind of messed with me a lot <laughs> in, a, in, in a good way. And I think it, it was, there's a, a lot on that. Like, cause like, can't tell me nothing's on that song um, on that album. I think maybe not. No. Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. hey mock. Oh, okay. And I, I, like, I still get the, tr like the track list of late registration and graduation, like mixed up <laughs> sometimes, but, um, but it, like it had that on there, it had, um, you know, something like stronger, and then it had like, I think Hey Mama is on that. Um, uh, late registration. Or, uh, it has, yeah, uh, see, it's it happening. has <laughs> flashing lights and everything I yes, am, the glory. Yes, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So and like everything I am was like, actually, I was just listening to it again the other day. I'd almost like forgotten about how much I loved that song, but that was like there were so many different kinds of music on that album but it all made sense together. And I was like, I don't know how this makes sense, but it does. And I'd like never heard at that point. I had just never heard probably an album of any kind that changed styles so much, but fit together. Um, and it, and it felt almost like he sat, that was like the album that even when I think back on it, like that was the first album where it felt like he made a really big breakthrough as like a curator of music and not just a great producer and rapper. Um, Cause like 
the the mind like realizing that the that his mind was capable of like assembling like a collage that was that diverse um was what i think when i first started getting like that's when that's what got me really really into him because it was like damn no there's like not hardly anyone probably on the planet that can pull this off (laughs) right yeah (laughs) it's such an amazing ability to have that kind of diversity and you know we've done 70 plus lyrical deconstructions uh going line by line analyzing the themes and i don't think there are any two songs that we can point to as being like just outright repetitious of each other yeah um where he's just doing maybe the closest thing is bring me down as just being uh one-dimensional braggadocio um but other than that he not only changes his musical production style up so much to have such diversity on just the album or just over the course of his discography, but his lyrical content continues to be diverse and growing and multifaceted to the point where it's just, it's absurd. Yeah, no, I mean, and even on that, even on that, like bring me down, like I remember cause I, I went out and bought, he did the like string arrangement thing, like at the, London Philharmonic or something like where he produced that or he performed that album with like a basically like a string quartet. I don't know if you remember that. I mm. they, they, I found like a boot a bootleg CD of it. Late orchestration. <laughs> yeah. Um, and maybe I guess he, no, never mind because I guess that's late registration. Never mind. See, dude, I don't know those two. I guess I got into him at the same time, sort of, and I just blend them <laughs> together all the time. But I think, like, and so, but, like, on Bring Me Down, like, the opening lines on there, like, I loved it so much. Where he's like, we're going to Mass today, we have to pray. Despite what the pastors say, I have to say, like, that since Pac passed away, most of these other people don't even deserve, a like, a beat from me or whatever whatever that last thing is. And it's it was funny, like... It was braggadocious. Like he was definitely bragging, and it was just more of a, like, oh, you know, woe is me, I'm so brilliant, sort of thing, and misunderstood. But it was like, even that, even his version of it was just so amazing to me. For like that, that song was like stuck in my head for a really long time, um, because he was like, and especially with the string quartet, it was just amazing. Like the string quartet version of that song was like yeah dude like people don't even deserve to have your alternate version of this song (laughs) like like you're right like maybe it sucks that you're right but you're right (laughs) um so yeah and that's and that's where i think the distinction is is like for me is like there's a lot of you know and I, i like drake but it's like when drake says stuff like that it's like all right man like i guess you know you do really you're a great rapper and yeah, you're better than maybe you're better than a lot of other rappers or something. But like for Kanye, it felt different. It was like this sort of creative genius thing. It felt sort of like Leonardo da Vinci saying that, you know, like and not to like exaggerate too much, but it just felt like that. It felt like Michelangelo being like, nobody deserves a statue from me. (laughs) And it's like you look you look at his work and you're like, damn, it's kind of true. Like you are, you are just on a totally different level than a lot of other people in your generation. So, so yeah, anyway, not to derail it, but that when you mentioned that song, I was like, yeah, that's, 
that really resonates even in that particular song that's probably one of his more one-dimensional songs yeah um, that's as you're saying that too i it just got me thinking like even then he doesn't talk about that all that often so even though it's a one-dimensional song it's still unique in his discography it's not like yeah he's saying throughout his discography like none of you deserve this from me like he said it the one time and had a song focused on it and then went back to doing other things mm-hmm. um, yeah totally and yeah that's true if you listen to the discography just music wise production wise of any other uh hip-hop artist today who has that diversity that kanye has yeah no one Mm-mm. No, I mean it's not, and it's not even close. And that's why, like, Kanye is the best. I, the guy who's our senior editor here at Vinyl Me, please. He, he and I've had a lot of conversations about this, and I remember he said, he put it really well one time. He's like, Kanye is like Kanye is the best rap music maker of all time, um, and it's it's not close. Like he may not be, you know, he may not be one of the founding fathers of rap, you know, like a, like from a production perspective, like a Dr. Dre who I love, but you just put him up as like a guy who makes rap music and it is not close at all. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think there's a legitimate argument to be made that Kanye is not the best rap music maker of all time. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he's like the greatest rapper of like from a lyrical, from like a, rap mechanics perspective i wouldn't say necessarily that he's like the best rapper of all time like that's probably biggie small that's probably notorious big or tupac i don't know but like from he's from like an mc rapper perspective but but from a musical perspective and i mean his lyrics are amazing like i think he's he's super 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 clever and it's funny because i still go back to some albums and or some songs and it's like i pick up on something that just never clicked before like what he was saying (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean and i think so from that perspective i think like he's kind of untouchable in that area and i think he's sort of it's funny because i I was talking with someone the other day about the way that i i've started to sort of quantify um artists that i think will be sort of generationally great is like kind of almost like on a secondary level the the amount that their work causes other rappers to sort of switch lane or other musicians to kind of like adjust their course a little bit and like i think about like i was talking about that with like kendrick lamar and it's like look i like kendrick lamar is just the best rapper right now like it doesn't like a lot of people are like well no there's this other guy that you've never heard of and whatever and it's like that's fine he's kendrick is still putting out the best rap albums right now so like from an MC perspective, there's just not like, yeah, like J. Cole's, you know, people like J. Cole or people like Big Sean or people like, um, you know, like Drake or whatever. And Drake has, but it's like Drake shifted into pop music. Right. And it's mm-hmm. like, nobody wants to fuck with Kanye. Nobody wants to try and be, do Kanye music better than Kanye. Right. <laughs> like, and, and I think that that's like really telling. Um, and it's the same reason, like Drake's never going to go after Kendrick Lamar. Like he's never going to drop a Kendrick Lamar diss track. Because he knows what happens after that, right? Like, because he, he, he'll go after Meek Mill. Because, like, Meek Mill is, like... And I love Meek Mill, actually. I thought Wins and Losses was... It's one of my favorite rap albums of this year. But it's, like... He'll go after Meek Mill because most of Drake's fans, like... Or there's probably a big contingent of Drake fan, Drake's fans that, like, don't know Meek Mill's work very well. And so, like, Drake dissing somebody 
who then most of the people I think are like, who's that? <clears throat> Which is sad. And it seems like, oh man, Drake killed that dude. But Drake's never going to go after Pusha T. I mean, Pusha T went at Drake a while ago and it's like, Drake never responded to him. <laughs> Drake's never going to go after Kendrick Lamar because what happens after that is that though one, one or one of those guys drops a diss track that's just obliterates Drake because like from a rapper perspective, Drake's not close to like those, these, this like echelon. And I would say that Kendrick's getting to a point where he's like, he's getting close to being like as big as Drake. Um, like he's on his way, but it's like Drake is like kind of has this like pop icon status, right? Where like all of his songs have like a, you know, 600 million plays or something. <laughs> and, and I think like it, there's like only certain, he always raps about going at people and it's like, you're not really going at anybody. <laughs> like, you know, what I mean? like you're not really going at anybody who's like a, a legitimate threat to your career. But like somebody like Kendrick like getting embarrassed on a public stage by somebody like Kendrick or Pusha T, which is what would happen. It, like that is a threat to his career. Right. And like, so he's, it's just interesting how like as these artists rise and then there's always just like Kanye's way over there somewhere. Like nobody's <laughs> going to go after, nobody goes after Kanye. Like, like, I mean, like Jay-Z did because they're, they, you know, and I, I imagine that they'll eventually patch things up in one form or another. Um, but like they're age old friends. Right. And there's a lot there. And Jay-Z is bigger than he's like, even bigger than any of those guys. So like he can like, he, he, but it's like, how many artists do you listen to who make fun of Kanye? Like, I can't remember the last time I heard a track that somebody went at Kanye. Like, the only, because it, or go ahead. Oh, the only one I can think of was the non album release, uh, by J Cole, mm. uh, false prophets where it could not have been about Kanye. Like he wasn't bold enough to say like Kanye, Right, totally. Um, which so a lot of people, uh, Travis and I included, took it as a as a Kanye diss, but yeah. even then, like, not not anything that Kanye even cares about. Yeah, no, and I, and that's I think it's really I think it's really meaningful and admirable that like no matter where Kanye is in the press at any given moment, like it's every artist's dream to work with him. Like if you, if you, if he calls you, the only answer is yes. I mean, like I remember when, when they interviewed Justin Vernon about my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, like what it was like working with Kanye and stuff. And he was like, you know, originally, I'm sure you know this, like originally Kanye was going to go up to Wisconsin because Justin Vernon was like, yeah, I like, I, I'll work with you, but you got to come up here. Cause I kind of don't like something like he just didn't really want to go to Hawaii. <laughs> and so Kanye was, was like, okay. And Kanye had a flight up there and it got canceled by, because of a snowstorm. And so then Justin Vernon went, ended up out in Hawaii, but he was like, it was so hilarious. It was like, he's like, yeah, dude, I'm some fucking farm kid from Wisconsin sharing a room, like a college dorm room sized room with Rick Ross. And he's like smoking the craziest weed that I've ever smoked. <laughs> and it's like, how the fuck did I get here? Like, and, but he was just like, but yeah, but I, like, I, I, of course I had to work with Kanye. Like, and I, I just think there's not, there, there are probably other artists that people that may, people may just always want to work with, but like, I just can't think of them right now. Like, I can't think of someone that is pervasively as pervasively respected in this generation of music 
as Kanye from like a creative and music production perspective. Like I just can't think of someone who comes up all the time in interviews the way that Kanye does with in, with with other artists. Right, especially I feel like when he was earlier and a lot of his contemporaries or uh, elders were still the mainstream focus and attention, he may not have gotten brought up as much at that point. But now a lot of the people in the mainstream are 10, 15 years younger than Kanye, like artists in their right. 20, like mid 20s. And they've all grown up like you and I have with Kanye to it's the point where it's like, now he's a little bit of the elder statesman, and of course everybody's like, "Yeah, I would, I would love to work with Kanye." Totally, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> like Lord, for instance, or like even when there were those like, like it helped even it, like even someone as big as like Bieber, like it helped his image a lot <clears throat> just with those like pictures of him and Kanye leaving LA clubs together. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that was like, oh shit, uh, okay. Like gives some artistic clout. Yeah, totally. It was like, oh damn. And I think that Kanye worked on Bieber's last record or is working on the new one. I don't remember. I think it was the last one. Um, I don't remember though, uh, on purpose or whatever that was, uh, which I liked actually. I thought it was a, a really, I thought it was Bieber's best record, but I, but yeah, I, I think like, um, yeah, he just like him putting his name on your work is like still probably the, the best endorsement that you can get in the create in like the music world. Yeah. I, it makes me want to start being a musician just so I could like yeah, potentially be obscure and good enough that Kanye's like, Hey, you come here. Yeah, totally. Me? Totally, man. Me? Obviously yeah, this yeah. podcast isn't working. I got to <laughs> yeah. do something else to get his attention. Yeah, man. You got to drop it. You got to drop some crazy album that only like 1500 people like, and yeah. uh, you'll get a, you'll get an email from his secretary. <laughs> oh, would that be the day? Um, that would be the day. <laughs> so were you, uh, you had said that when 808s came out, you weren't necessarily, uh, you, it took a while to connect with it and get it. Um, did you have the same issue with My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy or Yeezus or Life of Pablo? No, I mean, I, so when My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy dropped, um, which it's ironic now, because I, well, so I was following... I, I was following him. I was on Twitter at that point, I think. Um, and I think, he, I, and I was following, I think it was on Twitter that he was posting all that stuff. But when he was doing the good Fridays drop, like those drops and like that was, I was, I was like, I, every Friday I downloaded whatever the track was and listened to it a bazillion times. <laughs> and, and I remember when my beautiful dark twisted fantasy dropped, I remember the day I was living in, been like waiting forever and i was living in raleigh north carolina after college for a year and i drove i lived next to this like target that was in a mall and i remember it was pouring rain i got off work i went over there and picked it up because i had seen i like watched it was crazy because like I, I i got my roommate to i told my roommate adam who i gone to college with i was like listen man like kanye's got a new album coming out it's gonna be unbelievable and um so I, I like coerced him to stay up and watch that Saturday night live performance. <laughs> um, and I was like shell shocked by it. And my roommate was like, man, that sucked. And I was like, dude, you have got to be fucking kidding me. man!" <laughs> like, like, and so anyway, so I went, I mean, it was pouring rain. I went to this target in the mall. I bought the CD cause it had the four different covers. 
in the CD or whatever. Like you could like fold it in different ways and it had different like album art depending on how you folded it. And, um, and I remember I like drove around in the rain smoking cigarettes, blasting that and then went home and put it on like the sound system that we had at our apartment and blasted it for the, for like basically the rest of my life. I did it like the girl actually that introduced me to 808s and heartbreak. We dated, ended up dating for like a year and a half. And I remember she was like living in, she was interning at like the Senate, like for a Senator or something at, in DC. And I remember that summer I played that album so much and it had been out for about a year at that point or a little less. And I played that album so much that just like my friend, Meredith in college, she was just like, we are not listening to that fucking album again. Like, and I was like, just one more time. I just want to hear just like, and I, like, I would always like rap lines to her and it was like, she liked it for a while. And then I think was legitimately upset. <laughs> like, just shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, it's like, if I have to pick right now between you yeah. and the album. I, yeah, <laughs> it's the album. Uh, yeah. and, but I, but yeah. And then, um, yeah, Jesus took me, I think Jesus took me a little while. Um, I didn't really, and it, it did what it was supposed to do, which was like, it was supposed to like kind of shock you, right? I mean, and I think he talked about even how like he'd always, op- he always opens his albums with some kind of pretty song. Um, and he didn't do that on that. And I just remember listening to him being like, what the hell is this? And then it took it took about a month. I kept listening to it or a couple of weeks and then it really clicked and I saw him at Governor's Ball. I think it was I don't oh that I think that might have been the that might have been the first time that I heard Black Skinheads. I don't remember. I think he released he played Governor's Ball in like 2013. I think it was 2013 either right after or right before that album dropped and I remember he came out and I think he opened with black skinheads and he had these crazy videos up and I was just like I have no concept for what's going on but I I really like it <laughs> but I don't but I don't get it like and so but that's I mean Jesus is is man I don't know it's it's hard but Jesus is maybe my favorite Kanye album it's in the top three for sure like my top three from him just rearrange each other all the time Um, as far as order, but yeah. And then life of Pablo, when I went to the theater, I remember like, I loved it, but I remember there were certain tracks that just, I didn't really click with, or I just didn't see, I didn't feel like I liked a lot. And then, um, it's funny because Andrew, our senior editor actually like had this conversation about how he's like, every time Kanye drops an album, everyone's like, this is going to be the one that sucks. And he's like, I never, he never listens to a Kanye album until Kanye's like, this is the album. Right. And then like with life of Pablo, like it's, this is the album it's out. And he's like, I never, li- he never listens to, I, and I started doing this too. Like I, we like never listen to leak, like leaked tracks or anything. It's like, if Kanye doesn't want it out in the world, then it's not ready yet. And yeah. so I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear it until he says that it's ready. Um, but I remember, um, I kind of waited a bit cause he put, he put that album out, but then he, I was supposed to get like an email with a download for it. And that took forever to show up. <laughs> um, like, I think I didn't even get it till like four months after the album was out. Yeah. But he, then, then he kept tweaking it and like adding songs and rearranging it and whatever. And like, I remember he, like, I, I think like a couple different versions of wolves came out, um, like at different times. And 
anyway, so I just waited. And then when he was like, all right, this is the album, I listened to it and I was, I loved it. I mean, it's, it's like a, the only reason that I don't think that that's my favorite Kanye record is just because I think it's kind of like a Megatron of all of his styles, like his entire career. It's like he put out like a greatest hits album with all new songs. <laughs> um, and so I think like, for me, it's, it exists more. And I, and I think there's a, I mean, there's a ton of important narrative stuff and like meat on the bones there for that album. But it's also, I always see it like slightly <clears throat> below Jesus and my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, just because those albums seem like this unbelievably like rich and complex, like singular thing. Um, where like Life of Pablo for me feels like it's a few different things that are incredible, but it's just different. The, those other ones seem like a tiny bit like tighter mm-hmm. or something. So anyway, I I can see that. They're definitely it. It's a. Uh, I think it's weird to compare it to Dragon Ball Z, but I always think about it. I loved I love Dragon Ball Z. Oh, perfect then, because they always talk about like when you go Super Saiyan, there's like power leakage. Right, and it's hard to contain the energy, and I feel that's mm-hmm. almost what's going on with Life of Pablo is that there's so much going on that it it just kind of spills out in different places. It's kind of like the mm-hmm. sun having solar flares. Dude, that's an amazing that's an amazing comparison to Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> that's yes, I love that. First of all, I love that you made that comparison, and it's totally true. It's like, and that's where you know it's funny in in Dragon Ball Z how it's like. And I remember when I was first watching it, like you never, it's like it, they just kept adding on levels of super Saiyan-ness, <laughs> <laughs> you know, where it was like, I remember like, you know, I would geek about it because I was watching it in the States on like Cartoon Network every day at like 3.30 or something. And yeah. when I was in like high school or middle school, both, I think, um, I remember in high school, I used to, during class, I would draw Dragon Ball Z pictures. But anyway, yeah. it was funny because I, I would just look up like how... And I would see all these pictures from like, because the show, you know, like much later version, like seasons of the show or versions of the show were out like in Japan. And I would see these pictures of like Goku with like looked crazy. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell that is. Like, I don't I've never seen him look like that in this show. And that's it's funny because I think it's it does really fit nicely with like with uh, like his with Kanye's career in the sense you just like. Oh shit! I guess he can do this too. <laughs> like, uh, all right. Well, um, that's wild. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And I think that that's like, that's yeah. I love that. Anyway, we we should do another show just on Dragon Ball Z. I fucking love that show. I would. I I talk with Travis about doing like a short, like how cool it would be to do little like one to four episode uh, podcasts that are about yeah, like, like Dragon like Ball Z. Yeah. I think that'd be amazing. I've actually been meaning to go back and watch all of it again because there's like a lot because I have like a Funimation subscription. It's like five bucks a month or something. You can watch all Funimation shows ever on their website. Um, and uh, I was watching. I, I'm almost done with Cowboy Bebop, and I think I'm just going to nice. go back through Dragon Ball Z. Um, but it's. I mean, the problem with Dragon Ball Z is like 
every episode something almost happens basically <laughs> yeah. like and then it's over so it's like there's like 75,000 episodes of it because it took them fucking forever to just have something happen in that show <laughs> like, it was uh, one of the most dramatic and frustrating things every week as a child just going yes. through and you're like oh something's going to happen and then it's Friday and you're like nothing happened yeah I know man I know it's um, like anyway uh, have you uh, have you heard about Dragon Ball Z Kai? Um, I have not. Maybe I have. I don't know. It's is it a, a game or is it a show? The show. They actually went through and edited all the filler out of the show and reduced the episode count. Wow. So it's something to where like the Cell Saga, instead of being like seventy-seven episodes, is just forty. Oh yes, like that right. level. Well, so I know get, what I'm gonna. I know what I'm gonna be doing. Yeah, you get through. <laughs> uh, you get through Cell in like 97 yeah. episodes. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Where yes, God. I think they <laughs> killed Frieza at like episode 110 in the. Wow. In the American thing, so. Yeah, at least. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So you gotta definitely watch Kai. It goes much faster and. Yes. Uh, has that pace? Well, for uh. Kanye stuff. What what then would be your favorite Kanye moment? Hmm. Man. Hmm. <laughs> Let me think. I think. I mean, I, I was thinking about that last night, and I was like, "Man, I, 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 I'll answer." But I think it. My guess is like, if I was asked this four or five times, I probably would have four or five different answers. Um. Man. Yeah, I think like um I think probably from like a personal so like I think from like a cultural level right now my favorite one is his interview with it was like the TMZ video of him telling the guy the reporter to not talk to him. <laughs> um and I just watched it again the other day. It's just so funny to me and so like amazing because he's like he's like gets really angry but he, it's like it's just incredible he's like don't talk to me and then he, and then he's like stops and he's like don't don't talk to me don't say anything don't talk to anyone i know don't talk to anyone ever don't talk to your don't even talk to yourself and don't talk to anyone anywhere and like just goes off and for some reason that is just such an amazing that was just such an amazing like thing for me i just I've, I've been laughing about it for years and i will always be laughing about it i think like from like a seeing him in concert perspective i think my favorite was um was when he played the don't like remix in chicago oh and like um he just wrapped his verse and like the entire like united center was i mean it was filled to the brim and it was like i thought the building was going to collapse like he had this kind of like his the stage that he had it kind of went into this triangle that could like raise up and down and whatever. But he, uh, he was like jumping in the, sh like the stage. It looked like he was almost on like a sort of a very bad trampoline. <laughs> um, you know, he wasn't jumping up in the air really high, but he, it was just like almost like that same action. And he was just losing his shit and the whole place was going nuts. And it was like probably my favorite music moment, like live music moment ever. Like it just, there was more energy, in that song and that that stadium than like I've ever experienced at any show ever. Um, 
So those are, I know that's probably cheating a little bit, but I think right now those are my two favorite. <laughs> no, it's, so. it's, it feels almost unfair to ask just for one moment. So I'm, gl- I'm glad you went with two. Yes. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I, well, and then uh, what about a uh, favorite album? What's that? You were saying Yeezus earlier that it might be Yeezus, but uh, it changes between Yeezus and what other two? I think my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is my favorite. I mean, I think like, um, if I had to pick, uh, like if somebody like held a gun to my head and was like, you have to pick one song of his and that's the only one that you can never hear again. Um, it's probably devil in a new dress. Um, I, that sample on there is like, that's like my, probably my favorite rap song ever. Mm. Uh, there's something about the sample on that that like never has ever gotten old to me um so yeah i would say that album i mean i think like and that album is like i was just in a very particular place in my life at the time and that sort of that album was like kind of a retreat for me um and i just obsessed over it and it's funny now because i i'm friends with nate this guy nate who was kanye's manager during that sort of two-year window um, and he, uh, he, Nate came up with like the good Fridays drops and stuff like that. And I like that, that was like the good Friday stuff. And then that album was like, that's my favorite time personally in music ever. Yeah. Like that was, I've never been more excited about an album or a release before as I was then like before or since. Um, how, how strongly did you hug Nate's when he told you that? <laughs> yeah, and they, I, yeah, I did. I, 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 like, I'd known him for a while, and I didn't know that. I knew he was Kanye's manager. I didn't know he had come up with Good Fridays, and I, like, freaked out. Like, I think we were, <laughs> like, at a sports bar watching, like, a Cleveland Indians game. Because yes. he's, from, he's from Cleveland. and um, I love Nate's. What the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he's a, he's a lovable dude. Um, but I think, I think he told me that when we were watching like a Cleveland Indians game or something. And I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. I was like, dude, that is the best thing that anyone has ever done ever. Like in modern music, I can't. And I just like, so it's like he and I are buds and I don't like fan out around him. But when I found that out, I was, I, I was, I turned into a fanboy like <laughs> immediately. Like I was like, I'm sorry, man, I can't, I don't have enough self-restraint to not freak out about that right now. <laughs> that's that's one of those things where like almost every hip-hop fan and definitely every kanye fan has that memory of what was it like in your life when good fridays were coming out and just that excitement every single Mm -hmm. friday Mm -hmm. that was a special no i mean like i i remember for like years because like i think it's on the um like that beyonce remix of um Fuck. No, it wasn't a it wasn't the remix. It was like um, he did put out this song with um, with Beyonce and uh, Charlie Wilson. The see me uh, now. Yeah, and I like he like yells like Rosewood at one point in that song. And so for like years, whenever I would get excited as like a joke, I'd be like Rosewood, and like nobody <laughs> knew what the hell I was saying. Um, and uh, I, yeah, and I just, yeah, I, I remember like, I listened to that. On, like that was all I was like, listening to at the time. I think I was well before the album dropped. I think I was listening to that, No Ceilings mixtape from Lil Wayne. I had like, 
found a bootleg copy of it somewhere and like on CD. And I, I remember I loved that album and then like this stuff started coming out and I was like, I just can't listen to no ceilings anymore right now. Like, <laughs> like I love you, Lil Wayne and you are the best rapper on the planet right now, but this album's more important. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> so. have you heard this song called monster? Mm hmm. Dude. Yeah. And I can, I, I remember like not really, I mean like Kanye, the thing I loved about that is like, that's the only time that I can think of that Kanye, both like Kanye got bodied on a song. Like somebody was just like blew his verse out of the water. Right. Cause like on watch the throne and I know this must exist. There must be Kanye has to have a version of watch the throne. That's only him. It must be out there somewhere. <laughs> like it, it, there's no way there's just not Kanye's too full of himself not to have that. And I, I would love to hear it, but I think like, um, yeah, it was like Nicki Minaj just blew him and Jay-Z up on that track. And I had no idea who she was. I don't think most people didn't. But I remember going back and being like, I can't believe this is happening right now. Like, like Nicki Minaj, this is like an all-time rap verse. And I stand by that. I think that, I think Nicki's verse on Monster is like an all-time, like it's it's in the pantheon of, of guest verses for sure. Um, yeah, to the point where I don't think her... I, maybe that's unfair to her to say, but I don't know if her career looks the same without that verse. I agree. No, dude, I totally agree with you. And I think like, I like her a lot and I'm, I'm, you know, I, I had hoped that I, cause she put out, um, that shy rack song with, um, uh, well, who's now G Erbo. He's a little herb at the time. And she put out that track and I was like, this is crazy. And it was like drill music. It was like her on like a drill beat. And it was like, I want an album of this. Like, this is my favorite, like kind of like the kind of gritty Nicki Minaj stuff. And I, I'm really proud of her because she's, you know, she became like a pop icon and did her thing and has made a ton of money. And, but I, I've still am waiting sort of in the background of like, I love you, Nicki Minaj. I, I like, I like, I like your work. Um, I don't, I don't listen to a lot of her albums. Like I don't listen to them very much, like very often. Um, but I really like her a lot. And I feel like, um, like in my mind, she has been the best female rapper since she came on the scene. But I think a lot of the times I think that because there's a lot of great female rappers, but I, it's like in the back of my mind, it's like none of them have done anything that's like, um, have done anything that's like um this monster verse like nobody's gotten close to putting out something like that uh and so she still is like at the top of the pile for me literally i think primarily because of that verse <laughs> right <laughs> you know that she's capable of busting that out and just waiting like when is going to be the project where she goes back and is just like yep this is what i'm bringing yeah totally and i think like i i think another like, and I, I would say that like when, um, Azalea Banks first came out who like, I feel really bad for Azalea Banks. And I, I feel like I still think she has it in her to be like a generational rapper, like recognizes that when she first came out, I was like, I can't remember the name of that song, uh, but, black um, Widow or no, it was like, um, I keep wanting to say, 
uh, 808s and it's not that, but it's like a number. Anyway, sorry, I can't, anyway, I heard that and I was like, oh shit, this girl's like going to be like, she could hit, she could definitely hit like, um, like, uh, she could definitely hit like Nicki Minaj levels at some point. And I feel like, I, I think, I think it was messed up that RZA basically lied to the press about her and anyway i feel bad for her and I, I i hope that something good comes out of this for her um but anyway this isn't about this is not about azalea banks so anyway <laughs> but yeah i think another reason you know like my beautiful dark twisted fantasy i remember like i was listening to it a lot i moved out to chicago and actually that girl that i've been dating who hated this who hated how much i played this album like i moved out there to be with her she broke up with me and like I didn't know hardly anyone in the city. And so like I would just go home to this apartment that I was renting and smoke weed and listen to my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Like that's all I did for like too long, <laughs> probably too long. But like I, and I remember there's this line and we, we had, we like a year later we had started um, vinyl me please. Like almost literally to the like January 1st, 2013. And like, I go back to that album a lot because like, as we, you know, as Vinally Please has grown and become this, like, I mean, thanks to our team and a lot of other things, it's become, like, a really, like, influential and big music company now. Um, and that opening line on that album of, like, I used to dream about this back in Chicago, Mercy, Mercy <laughs> Me, that Mercy Alago, like, that's me the first year that I blow, how you say broken Spanish, no, me, uh, yeah i i mean i know every every word probably to every song on that album but like i'd go back to that line a lot because it it's just very like nostalgic and and seems it's like the most probably literally relatable line for me that kanye has ever or one of them that kanye has ever put out it just like i there's been like so so much that's happened since that time and and i like that line is a very special that song and, and that line has like a very special place in my heart. So it, that must've been, it must be so strange thinking about when you're hearing that line, not in Chicago and yep. it just kind of has no meaning to your life. And then when you know that you're going to Chicago, you get to Chicago and the worst happen like the worst situation that could happen in Chicago happens. <laughs> right. And you're just kind of left. Well, it's not the worst, but it's close. It's like it could have, I, someone could have lit me on fire or something. Like, I mean, technically, like, I'm sure it could have gotten worse. At the time, it felt like it could not be worse. But, yeah, but keep going. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Um, perspective. That is the good thing to yes. have. Um, yeah. It just, and then the line takes on new meaning because at that point, it's like, now you are in Chicago and are mm -hmm. thinking about what's next and the dreams and what is your future going to be. So then the line has this entirely different meaning than what it just had when you moved there and what you were hearing before you moved there. And then when everything with Vinyl Me Please starts up, it must have just been motivating. And then now just such a such a weird nostalgic trip. Yeah, no, and that's something I think, yeah, and that's why one of the reasons that I think I, I love Kanye so much is like on some level his music has like always been like sort of a, almost emotional support at different really difficult times in my life and my twenties have been a mess. I mean, there's a lot of, 
a lot of like really difficult things have, have happened during over the last like eight years or so. And I think like he's always been somebody that like his music has always been like really motivating. It's a, I think that motivation, motivating is a good term for it. And also I think very like supportive, you know, I mean, it's like, I, I understand, you know, Kanye's from like Chicago and everything, but he's kind of, he was kind of like a suburban kid, you know, like he was, he wasn't like, a. I don't know. He, he, he grew up in a slightly different context, I think, than like, like he raps about, like, I think he lived on the West side of Chicago on the suburbs, at least for a long time. And it, I, 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 and he was this weird guy that like nobody ever, nobody really understood <laughs> for a long time. Like, I mean, I've gone back and watched, like, I remember I've gone back and watched like videos of him when he would go on like, uh, the, um, the poetry slam stuff. Yeah. And it would be like, I think like most deaf was hosting one of them or something, but like, and here was this dude in a, like a fucking pink polo and a backpack. And you're like, what the hell is this? Like, he looks like he, I mean, I remember it was like, he was wearing like Lacoste shit. And it was like, man, I like my, like college buddies wear that. You know what I mean? Like he just had this aesthetic that was like, and he just didn't care. I remember Common saying one time that the big difference between like him and Kanye was like when College Dropout came out, like they had a listening party with all the, all the, um, a bunch of music writers, like journalists and stuff, uh, and in this conference room. And he was like, Common was like, when, when I do that, like when I put out a, an album and I, and I have that, I have these listening parties. I just sit quietly in the corner. I don't want to talk about the album and I, I just want people to like it. You know, like I, and I really hope they like it and I don't really say anything. He's like, when college dropout came out, like Kanye was like standing on the tape. He stood on the conference table for the entire thing and rapped every word to every song to every, <laughs> like the whole time. And was like, yo, this is good shit. This is classic shit and stuff like that. You know, like, and, and I think, um, I've always really struggled with like just confidence and self-esteem and like, it was like massively had like a, a very long struggle with like depression and it was like pretty bad. And I, I think like I, in the back of my mind, I think I, I, there's something in me that was just sitting there that like waiting or something that like really resonated with how brash he was and how brash he was about his insecurities. Mm. Um, and like he would rap about him. He would rap about being in bad credit card debt. He would rap about like, being materialistic he would rap about like being insecure about like relationships and he would rap about his mom and like in this way that was just like i love my mom <laughs> and i wrote some songs that are just like i love my mom and i think like that was there was like a an honesty to him and there still is whether people like it or not all the time like there's an honesty to him and it almost like a soft heartedness, you know, like there's like a, a willingness. I mean, there's like a genuine soft heartedness to him, um, that I know he, he, he shows m more of it sometimes than others. Like, but it's like when he, you know, he put out only one and I love that song. Yeah. And I remember like, I, I just remember a bunch of nights, like tearing up to that like sitting on my porch listening to it and just being like man like this guy can go out and you know t 
tear a stadium down with these huge sort of maximal, like maximalist beats, like an aggressive as shit. And he can also sit here and like rap about like, you know, um, rap a song from like his mother's perspective who's dead. And it's like just really genuinely poignant. And I think like, I, I don't know, man. I mean, it's weird. It's like, we, you know, we, we like, we grow up and we have all these like different aspirations or whatever, or like versions of ourselves that we think could possibly be true. And then they sort of like exist in our heads. Right. And we feel like we all have different versions of ourselves, right? There's like a version of us for, of at least most people that's like, kind of like kind of brazen maybe we don't say it but we feel it right mm-hmm. like we that kind of like i don't give a fuck and most people just don't live that way but you kind of feel it and then i think everybody kind of has like this tender like place in them that is very like emotional and soft-hearted and vulnerable and i think like he for me has always given that's when i when when i find his music the reason i find his music so relatable is because I feel like he is like a thoroughly honest and exp- and thoroughly expressive version of like what I what like my emotions or my like like I really I, the way that he, he sort of embodies all these different things like makes so much sense to me um, and I think like <clears throat> it's really helpful for me to have somebody like him as an art like as an artist who like. I don't know. It's like sort of almost operates as like a, almost like a big brother, you know, like I don't mm-hmm. have siblings, but I have a couple people in my life who are very close friends who like are almost like a big brother to me. One of them is actually, um, it's funny at the Christmas party. I mean, we were all drunk, but I was telling Hessler who's our head of marketing. He's 40 and he's like the coolest person that I know. And he's just an incredible dude. And, I was like, hey, man, like, I, I, I don't really have a brother, but I kind of like, you kind of are my big brother, man. Like, we, <laughs> you know, it's just like some, <laughs> something you say when you're drunk at a Christmas party. But, but I meant that. And I think like for me, you know, I've, I've never, it's always been hard for me to find, or I've never, I, I think like uh, one of the things when you're not really sure about like, you're, you're not really totally always confident of like, this is who I am or who I want to be or whatever. And I think I, like Kanye's always operated in the back of my mind is like, I want to be like that guy. Like not, I know that I'm not, not like I want to rap or not like I necessarily want to like make my own clothing line or like I want to like drunkenly explode at the VMAs. Although I wish <laughs> I had, I think that would be amazing. Um, but there's just something about him that I've just like, man, I, his like energy, like his creative energy and sort of willfulness and the fact that he, and he raps about the fact that he basically acts brazen and reckless as a way sometimes to like cover up his insecurities or things that he's scared about. And I think like I, there's not an artist that I, there's no other like musician or artist that I, I look at and feel so thoroughly like I want to, I want to be like that guy kind of like, I want to just follow that dude around. <laughs> um, <laughs> as like man just be my big brother dude like i'll just just i'll just because like it's the funny thing is like i have friends who have big brothers and and it's funny like how growing up like the big brothers were always like they always seemed like cool 
or like older sisters. They always seem like cool and sort of like together. And like, they kind of like had this sort of stability that when I was a kid, I could just be like, man, God damn, I wish I had that. Right. Like I wish <laughs> I was cool like that person. And I, I think like, obviously you get older and realize that nobody has it together and whatever. But I think for me, he's always like existed like that as like somebody like, Oh, there is somebody, there are people out there in the world that are like me in some ways, even though I, you know, I haven't done like one, one hundredth of the shit that he's done yet. But I mean, I will, I will, but I just (laughs) haven't done it yet. But I think like, um, that's like, anyway, I don't mean to ramble about all that. That's just, I think for me, that's why when people don't like him, that's why sometimes in the past I've been trying to get less defensive. Um, I, I know the feeling. I know like the I had, feeling. I had my I had my first it was like Christmas party the other day, and I, that was the first time in like maybe like a year that I had like defended him to that degree. But it just feels like you're t- someone's talking shit about a family member, and it's like I for me, step and that's in here. It, yeah. It's like all right, man, you can't you can't say that like. I can like family can say that about family, but you can't say that. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not Kanye's family. I just mean like it's it's just funny. Like I, I look up to him so much that like when he fucks stuff up or is an idiot, I'm like, ah man, I you know shouldn't probably shouldn't have done that, but I'm sorry. Right. I I got you. Know, you. Like, yeah, like yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm still there for you. Well, and I think everything you're saying is like a key thing because so much of so much of growing up, we're around people we're around other kids and other people that aren't really sure of how to be and influenced by a very small group of adults. And if you don't have somebody that's necessarily telling you it's okay to be the most confident version of yourself, it's okay to be the most, uh, maybe not the most brazen version of yourself, but to embrace your goals and dreams and to put in the time and effort to do something rather so many people are telling you to be cautious not to do this right. to watch how you're going that to have somebody who is as you said be so honest and authentic in their art but also in how they embrace celebrity yeah and go about their life when you don't have that in your own life and you're questioning whether you're allowed to be that person, that can be very, very, uh, important and meaningful. Yeah, man. I mean, I think for like most of my life I was like depressed and insecure to a point where I feel like I was almost constantly apologizing that I even existed or something, right? Like there's just no, this is like massive deficit, which is, we don't need to get this is, you're not my therapist, but I think like, (laughs) I don't, I don't want to make you act like my therapist. <clears throat> That's not the point of this. But I think like that is um, I totally agree. And I think, you know, growing up, I it, like if I went back, I would imagine like there's a much more nuanced take on this. But I think like like one of my frustrations, I think just or not, I think, but one of my frustrations about um, just my childhood was like, I think growing up very conservative it was like you're always like apologizing to people and you're always like insecure about different stuff and it was like everybody like even god is unsure about you right and you're like holy shit um and like (laughs) uh but i think i don't i just don't remember i think i can remember my parents at different times like they always like 
had a lot of faith in me and were crazy supportive of me. But I think, you know, I, there was an element of it that like, there was so much other noise that that didn't cut through to me very well. And like, I didn't have anybody in my life that was like, sort of to your point, like sort of brazen in a good way, like kind of very confident and just like self-assertive in a good way. And, and so as I've grown up, I've always like really admired people and really admired people that are like that. Cause I know that, I know that it's not as thorough as it seems because everybody has fears and insecurities and whatever and demons and stuff. Um, but I think like I've been working, you know, probably just over the last six months or so, probably or a year to like start being more that way. Um, and like putting myself out there more because I, and I, and I think that he's kind of a blueprint for that, especially because it's like, yeah, like when you do that, you make mistakes. <laughs> like you, you say dumb stuff, you do dumb stuff. Like people make fun of you sometimes, whatever, but that's kind of what life is. And I think <laughs> for me, there was always this like hesitancy to like avoid pain on some level, probably like on the core creaturely level. It was like, I don't want people to make fun of me or I don't want to fail or I don't want to be an idiot in front of everybody. And it's like the thing that blows, but is good is that like, that's the only way to do anything like <laughs> is that anything that you do, there's going to be plenty of people who don't like it, who don't like you, who like are vocal about that. And that just is the way that people are. That's how life is. And that may suck, but it's not going to change. Right. <laughs> like there's no amount of like, there's no, there's no amount of back porch, conversations with people that's going to change the way that the world is that sucks but it's just true like there's no that's just how it's always going to be yeah. <laughs> so, every so, every person that's in the public eye that puts something out in the world is going to have detractors and totally uh coming to terms with that is not an easy thing to do and you can even come to terms with that on a small scale but then getting used to it on a large scale has to be something completely different yeah and i yeah exactly and i Anyway, man, I could talk about this forever, but I know <laughs> we've probably we've already been going for a long time. So, yeah. well, um, what a what about a top five Kanye tracks? Okay, yeah. Um, hmm. Um, I'm in it. Nice from Jesus, and it's probably my I, well. That's I know I said earlier that. So Devil in a New Dress, I don't know how to arrange them right now, but the top five <laughs> are like Devil in a New Dress, I'm In It. Um, I'm In It is like the hardest song I've ever heard. <laughs> like I don't think I've ever heard any music that goes as hard as that does um, for me. Uh, and uh, yeah. And then... Um, whew, wow. Um, hmm. Uh, real friends, um, for sure. Another um, strong choice. Yeah. Um, probably, uh, oh, family business. Nice. For sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, family business. That could, that could be my favorite. I don't know, man. And then a fourth <laughs> one, maybe, uh, like everything I am. Um, I love that. I mean, I think that concept of like everything I'm not made me everything I am sort of thing is like that resonates a lot with me. 
Um, yeah. Especially with everything we were just talking about, that song is really uh, uh, an anthem for that. Yeah, it is. It's, and I think it, it's, it's sometimes there's a quick road to that, sometimes a slow one as far as like starting to appreciate that in yourself mm-hmm. uh, and, and to understand what you are not and what you are, you know? And so I think like, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I've gone back to that song maybe the most only because I think most of my twenties has just been f- me face planning <laughs> over like over and over and over again. Uh, and, um, and that's been, you know, maybe it didn't need to be as difficult as it was, but I think, um, that, that sentiment is maybe the, like the crux of what I appreciate about him as an artist is like just living that, you know? And I think that that's like, for me, that's probably, that's like the nucleus that everything, a lot, all of his other work like orbits around and for me. Um, so yeah, those are my five. What about you? And sorry, I, I, I've been wanting to just hear your answers to all these, but my, my guess is, is that you've answered all these things a bazillion times and it's kind of like boring. I'm not boring, but I would imagine it's just like you get, you, you probably have like answered the same stuff. Most shows. <laughs> so I, and I like you, I'm an only child. So I, uh, I get very excited anytime I get to talk. So, <laughs> yeah. um, if there's a, an opportunity to answer my top five, uh, I go wolves, uh, real friends, Blame Game, Blood on the Leaves, and I think Hell of a Life. Wow. Man, those are great. Damn. That's a great list, dude. Thanks. Thanks. That's a hell of a a list. (laughs) It gets a a little dark in there, but I I guess I've always liked more of the the gothic melodramatic. Yep. Um, totally yeah same i mean (laughs) (laughs) well and uh i guess any any final kanye words that you'd like to share no i think i've talked too much already i think the only thing that i would say is like i think that whether or not people identify or like connect with him as much as you and i do i think i think it's important for people to have somebody like that that they like like look up to whether it's creatively or whatever, like to that, to the level that we both clearly do. Um, (laughs) because I, I think like, I don't know, life is crazy, dude. There's like a, just a bunch of weird shit that happened. I remember there's this Frederick Buechner quote about how, like, I think it's like, this is the world, like, um, like wonderful, like beautiful or wonderful and terrible things will happen. Do not be afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like for me, one of the stabilizing forces for me in the midst of all sorts of different stuff is like, there's, there are these people out there that I really want to be like, or want to, that I really look up to. And they, I think it's, it's helpful, especially maybe as like the guy who works in creative stuff a lot. It's like, if it's not Kanye for you, that's whoever listening or whatever, like, it doesn't have to be, but I think everybody needs somebody like that because I think underneath all the shit that's like kind of dumb about celebrities and whatever, there is something true or there is something helpful in having like heroes and like, and I think that gets lost sometimes. Like I think 
the concept of like, I don't know the concept that I think, especially in a digital age, I think there is a, no matter what everybody might quote about how no man is an Island or whatever, I think uh, sometimes one of my frustrations, I think with technology in general and how pervasive it is, is that it, it sort of subtly makes you start to believe that either you are, that you are in either in a good or bad way, depending on how your psyche takes that. Um, and I think for me, like the concept of having personal heroes and just like geeking out and like nerding out over their work and whatever is like a really important counterbalance to, I think a lot of the like ways that technology can make us feel very isolated um, and make you realize like, man, there are people out here who have wanted to do similar stuff to you and they did it and they did it really well and they worked really hard and you can do the same thing, you know, like that's, it's such a like, you know, like it's such a like dad getting like dad at a little league game sort of thing to say. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean like when I was a kid, it was baseball players and then it was, you know, whatever it was like always, but I've, I've always had some, someone or some group of people that like, I have like, I was like, man, I just want to grow up and be like that. And it's probably partially because I was an only child. Like I didn't have a reference point close to home of like, this is exactly who I want to be like. Right. And so like, I've always had to sort of outsource that. And, um, yeah. And I think that, I just think that's a, that's an important, I think that's an important gap to fill for everybody, however they do it. And I think for, for, for me, at least that's, you know, Kanye's music, but you know, everybody's different. So Headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.